Welcome once again to Center Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and as always, I am pleased and I'm honored to be your host and your commentator for another of our commentary shows. That's one of the shows that we have up on air and online, seven days a week, 24-7, here at www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com. You can pick us up as both a podcast, that's the first link on our homepage, pick us up there or wherever you um, pick up your podcast from, and that would be uh, under Center Left Radio if you don't go by the link. Uh, Or uh, if you're on the homepage, you can also pick us up as a radio loop Which is to say, as the name uh, thoroughly suggests, uh, it is a loop that basically reminds you of what it's like to listen to a show like ours on the radio. You pick it up at whatever point the show happens to be in the loop that it is playing in on that separate computer, this lovely... I'm, I'm looking at it right now, and it's got a nice white border on it, and it's... Um, it, well, I'll, 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 put a, I'll put a plug out. It's a, it's a, it's a Hewlett-Packard of, of some vintage, I imagine, at this stage, because all it does is sit there and play center-left radio. It's been doing it for a few years now, uh, and doing it faithfully. Thank you, uh, Hewlett-Packard, for that. Uh, but in any event, you can listen to us anywhere you like. We give you a choice of either listening to us as a podcast or a radio loop because, frankly, we have a bunch of people who uh, like the latter choice, the radio loop, and um, it's no big deal for us to do it for you because you're our listeners and we appreciate you, so there is your choice. Nice to have choices, isn't it? Uh, it is the 20th of September, and I, um, I bring that up right off the uh, bat here because uh, this Friday, the 23rd of September, uh, 2022, will be our first Noble Hearts Forum of the season. And uh, I, I just want to get that point out there up front um, for those of you who've listened in and we've gotten... I would say our best response uh, to the show has been whenever we have a, the, uh, a so-called Noble Hearts Forum. The name comes from a high school uh, school song. Uh, May ours be the Noble Hearts. Uh, it begins, and it was the song uh, of a high school here in New York City at the time that I was attending it and the other guys on the panel were attending it, it was rated as the number one high school in the United States of America. Uh, The place is called Regis High School. Uh, It is still rated as the number one Catholic high school in America. Uh, that's no mean feat one way or the other, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's up there. It wa- and it was the gold standard then. It's among the gold standard now. It is entirely uh, scholarship-driven. At the time that I was there, uh, there was enough of what was called a sestuike trust, as we call it in the law. The corpus of the of the endowment that kept it going was big enough that no one had to really think about it. Now, there are annual fund drives to keep that endowment going, but there is no tuition charged to any kid who gets in, and their catchment area is throughout the uh, the 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 lower th- this local what we call the tri-state area here in New York. Um, it's, a, it's, it's a great institution, and uh, some very, very great minds uh, still pumping away and, and working away will be with us again this Friday, and we'll be discussing the current state of the Russo-Ukrainian mess from the perspective of possible non-violent solutions. That may sound absolutely either impossible or counterintuitive, but where does non-violence fit in 
in the current scheme of things. Uh, we, we, we had some earlier shows about that and where nonviolence might have, might have been uh, meaningful uh, in terms of uh, avoidance of the conflict. But what do you do with nonviolence when you're right in the middle of a war and you're being attacked by a belligerent force who is dead set, it would seem, on taking over all or some of your country, the belligerent force being Russia under Vladimir Putin. It should be a very, very interesting show with some very interesting guests, some of whom you're, you're familiar with, others of whom you're not, all of whom are uh, more than capable of presenting extremely interesting views on this and other issues. So please join us this Friday, the 23rd of May. That show will be going up on air uh, early in the morning of Friday the 23rd, early in the morning, um, New York Eastern Time, uh, minus five Greenwich Mean Time for anyone uh, who needs the international uh, uh, designation for that. We are uh, in an interesting period here now. For anyone, uh, as everyone is, is well aware by now, the, the last week, 10 days as it were, have been largely consumed from a, from a media perspective with all of the uh, traditional pomp and circumstance and, and, and the, the, the full, unfettered uh, amount thereof befitting the burial of a English monarch. We don't, we don't get to be around that process very often. Uh, for those uh, of a certain age, uh, that monarch uh, came to the throne at the ripe old age of 24 or 25, and departed it at the age of 96, that being, of course, Queen Elizabeth II, and she was laid to rest in a crypt uh, in Windsor Castle, St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle, to be precise, uh, near her husband Philip, near her father, and other monarchs in the line, uh, by, uh, I guess at the end, just the immediate family, but the nation of Britain and uh, quite specific, quite literally the world uh, participated in a, um, in a beautifully handled series of, of ceremonies. It was uh, just reminiscent of what the English are capable of doing in these circumstances and do almost reflexively. I, I, I must tell you, uh, I have, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it as I speak to you. I looked at this maybe about a week or so ago. Uh, back in the day, <laughs> I won't tell you what day, but back in the early 50s, my father, uh, well, he, it, in the late 40s after the war, he had purchased a Revere 8mm uh, movie camera and Revere uh, projector. Uh, this was sort of a very common sort of a thing being done by GIs returning from the Second World War. Uh, it, it was really for the first time available on a mass basis. And what was happening was people were making families. They were, they were making babies at a prodigious rate. I am part of that baby boomer generation. And so what, what happened was, that this was sort of the, the internet of the time, I suppose. It was, it was the social media, but operating at, of course, a much uh, more uh, uh, civilized pace than social media. You took pictures of your growing family. You sent them out to be developed. You sent the film out. It came back. And you would have family viewing nights. We had... I, I'm not going to say a lot of them. They were special nights that we had in my house when I was a little kid growing up, growing up to, to see, can we see movies tonight is pretty much how they'd be preceded. And, and my father, if, uh, who was grumpy under the 
best of circumstances. He was not a he was not a happy guy. Um, would if if my mother was so inclined to allow us to have a movie evening, and at that point uh, there, there were there were five of us, five young kids in this in this uh, apartment that we lived in in the Bronx. Uh, he would be obligated to get out all of the equipment, uh, to get out the projector, to get out all the individual 8mm films, as few of them as he could get away with, to show before my mother was satisfied that he fulfilled his, uh, his mandate for showing films. You remember, you, you had to set up a projector screen. It was a, it was a whole big deal. It, 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 is, it was the perfect analog counterpoint to how we function now in a communications thing but but the whole idea was i mean this was these were the cell phone these were the selfies and the and the cell phone shots of the time this is as far as we were able to get and it was just miraculous and wonderful and and just great from the perspective of of these gi's who had been through the second world war to now have this capacity to not only build back a nation which had lost many young men to battle, that is a standard thing with any war, and, and birth rates invariably begin going up. Well, finally we had a way of really, really not only tracking but memorializing all of these new lives coming into the world via the miracle of uh, eight millimeter film. Now, it was also quite popular. Uh, many of the many of the sources uh, of film, uh, many of the, of the 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 it would be typically a camera shop. Sometimes it was a combination of a record shop. They'd sell 45s and and albums as albums became more popular. In the beginning, it was 78s. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm going back there. Uh, they would also be selling film and selling the developing services that went with it. And, and a little specialty item would be the uh, pre-made films, films that had already been done, 8 millimeter films, uh, no sound in these yet. Sound came a bit later on 8 millimeter. It did eventually uh, get kicked into the process. But they would be films of special events around the world, uh, newsreels, really, in a way. And, and those were still being sold out there in the late 40s and the early 50s. Well, my dad, for whatever reason, I, I, I have no doubt at my mother's prompting, that had to be the only reason, picked up a copy of, a, um, a copy of The Wedding of the wedding of then Princess Elizabeth to Philip. And it's a, it's a larger reel, eight and a half, eight millimeter film. I looked at it the other day, it must run a good half hour. That, that was a, your average eight millimeter reel might have run two and a half or three minutes. This is a big thing. And it is remarkable in that Everything that we have been watching on our 50-inch screens at home, all of the locales, all of the, all of the, in many ways, many of the elements, in, in many ways, many of the people dressed in, in identical clothing, the, the choristers in, up, and down the, up and down the nave of Westminster, looking as though they were, could have been placed back in, what was it, 1952? Was that her wedding? She was all of 22 or 23 years old when she married Philip. And here it is on this 8 millimeter, uh, less than perfectly focused, but, but altogether viewable film, from, from the day, and, and they must have done God knows how many copies of these things. I have no idea. I've, I've, I've looked on it carefully to see if maybe there was a price tag on it. I see none. But amazingly, I have the intact film and was just looking at it the other day in, of course, uh, sepia-toned black and white. ¶¶ 
And, and at some point, it struck me that this is the same person, the same, very same person that I am watching and it, 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 it was unavoidable. If you were looking, if you were looking for your usual fix of, uh, of political commentary, unavoidably there, was, uh, there were the goings-on in, in, in the UK uh, surrounding the, uh, the, uh, the, the final um, uh, pomp and circumstance on behalf of the now deceased queen. Uh, and there were the same places, the same events, the, 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 the continuity, the, the, the capacity for uh, sustaining the elements that are the visible reference, the touchstones of, of England, of, of the Commonwealth. It, it, there it was. And, and here is this symbol of continuity uh, that has carried through all of that time uh, for 70 years sitting on the throne over 16 different um, uh, heads of, well, I, I, heads of state, she is technically the head of state, over 16 different prime ministers. And, 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 and one can only imagine, I mean, we, we, we take a certain you know, a certain recognition of this in this country, but one can only imagine how powerfully this must resonate in the souls of the British people. Yes, so much has happened. So much negative and positive and everything that's happened with Ireland and the bombings and everything that's happened with the breakup of the empire and everything that's happened with the royal children going kaflooian and marriages going here and there and traditions being just absolutely tossed away. Watch, watch the crown, by the way, if you really want to to get a feeling of all this. And there's been so many good movies done. Hel Helen Mirren's The Queen was, was probably one of the best statements of Elizabeth that I could possibly imagine. But this, this continuity within the British culture that is coming from the sheer force of personality of a woman who is not imposing herself on the, the culture. She's, she's not an overlay to the culture. She's by definition, by self-definition, a restrained but continuous presence within the British within the, the, the British psyche, within the British historical uh, map of things. And just being as constant as she can be, I, I happen to believe that were it not for her constancy, were it not for the way she governed, I guess is, is the, the word I would use, but for just how she comported herself, the monarchy as an institution may have long since ceased to function as such and may very well, going forward, in perhaps in some of, in, in, in current lifetimes, cease to function in any practical way or certainly uh, get stepped down several very key steps. We may have seen the last of the really big regal events with the burial, with the death ceremonies surrounding Elizabeth simply because of what she was and who she was and the continuity she represented. And it's hard not to go for... I, I think what's attracted so many people to watching that, besides just this, this visceral affiliation that we have with England to begin with, uh, is this feeling of almost longing in a way, wouldn't it be nice to quote the Beach Boys if, if, if we had something in this country that we could basically look to, that we could lean back on, that we could feel a support under us for relative to our own structures 
to our own governmental uh, institutions, to the things of our history that were both there then and here now. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be just a great thing? And I, and I think we've been, without recognizing it in so many words, reacting to that need, to that longing for some kind of constancy, the type of thing that Donald Trump simply eviscerates with his very essence. I, I, I think we're seeking it. I, I, I think we want to have that feeling that many of us do. I, I, I would love that feeling of a casual ability to simply say, yes, we'll automatically all come together for this. I read an interesting piece. It's a small thing. But the, 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 whatever your politics, and I realize that, uh, you know, granted, most people listening to me are on the left side of things. But no matter what, uh, the Clinton Global Initiative uh, has not functioned as such for about the last two or three years with AIDS. But it gets involved, it has, it has a huge number of delegates that come from around the world. Uh, there are a huge number of projects. And on the world stage of things, the CGI is one of those institutions that people really cling to, uh, that, that people are attracted to, and, and that has developed its own sort of, um, it's a statement of America and the world that basically is, 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 gives a lot of people the ability to express the best of us. Kind of what the UN has been at times, it has not been at times. Perhaps, well, I would say the Gates Foundation, but no, that's been more of a, a closely held thing and with his disgrace with the, with the divorce and all this other silliness and, and so on. But the CGI, the Clinton Global Initiative, is finally coming back into business. And this article I read said, that there were literally, uh, for, for several of the plenary sessions that will be involved in the session, I, I forget where they say it's taking place, but there were hundreds if not thousands of additional requests from people around the world to be part of this. To be part of something that feels collective and international and world-ish, that is, that is bringing people together in a common cause, in the cause of something positive and good, not simply for the sake of being alienated from someone else, not to be diametrically opposed to another position, to be promoting something in a common way. And, 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 I, and I was, it, it just struck me that there were analogies between that and what we were watching with the Queen and what many of us may very well have been feeling. There's going to be an emptiness now. And in that emptiness, we are going to be back to Donald and his shenanigans and his efforts to destroy the country to get whatever the hell he wants because nothing is more important than what Donald wants. Whatever Donald wants, Donald gets to, to basically uh, corrupt the Richard Adler lyric from Pajama Game. Um, oh well. Uh, we're back to so much of that already. And, and in fact, even, even as the queen was being <laughs> interred, already the, the, the Trump stories were coming back. The, we've, been, we've, been, we've been fortunate in a way that the queen's stories and images have trumped Trump for about a week or so now. Uh, that we haven't had to focus on it as much, but it's all the more jarring, I find once it's back in the public eye. I, 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 I offer you some, some small vestiges of things to come. It, it's, yes, it, you know, it, it may seem as though everything was on hold. Well, nothing was on hold. Everything was ongoing. It's a question of just how information is being communicated to us in the past week to 10 days. The whole Donald Trump saga has continued onward. <laughs> 
For instance, Uh, the special master that has been so erroneously and so wrongheadedly appointed uh, by Judge Aileen Cannon in the 11th uh, in the 11th District down in South Florida, and her and her stay on the criminal uh, proceed or the criminal usage of the documentation or f- of the of the documents for uh, determination of criminality, just the 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 stupidity and the. I, I want to say illegality, but the extra legality of everything that she put out there. Her clear statement that, hi, Donald, this is my payback to you. And I'm sorry, I mean, I'm sure that a lot of people, a lot of on-air sources, a lot of uh, uh, TV, uh, certainly broadcast news could never say it that way. But I don't know how else to read it, because that's how bad her decision was. The, the special master appointed there is a, is a well-known judge in the Eastern District, in the Eastern District of Brooklyn. And in the Brooklyn Federal Courthouse today, there is supposed to be a meeting. What's his name? Was it Booker? I can't think of, I can't think of the judge's name. He's a guy who's kind of semi-retired, but well-respected on all sides. He, he made a request of both the Trump people and the Justice Department today in his role as special master. And, and what happens in these situations, we, there aren't a lot of special masters you know, appointed, but here when some, one is to review uh, documentation of this sort, it is uh, customary to, at the beginning of the review process, to bring the parties in and kind of lay out the ground rules of how this is going to be done so that it can be done expeditiously, fairly, above board, so that everybody kind of knows what's going on, how the special master plans on operating. And it's typical to take the, the documentation that has led up to the creation of the special master, go through it and say, okay, you're looking for this, 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 and this. You're looking for this, this, this. Here's how I'm going to do it. Here's what I want from you. Here's what we can do to make this process expeditious. And the judge made a very simple request of the Trump side. And it says that in your documentation, you have referenced regularly, constantly, the notion that the president had the power to uh, declassify materials and could have and did. Now, you didn't say specifically which materials, but but it's an implicit, if not an, an explicit statement. We know why they can't make it explicit for the simple reason that Trump never did declassify anything and that, that his attorneys, if they attempted to say that he had, they would ultimately be held for uh, for, for lying in the documentation. You remember what MAGA stands for, uh, making attorneys get attorneys, okay? So, you know, representing Trump, Trump is a scary thing. But in any event, the, drug, the, the special master is making a very simple request. Show up here and tell me which documents, if any, Donald declassified. Very simple. And you would, you would think the answer to that would have to be, Okay, here is the list of documents that he declassified, or he didn't declassify any documents. That, that, those, that's, the entire, that's the entire universe of possible answers. He either did declassify, and here they are, or there were none declassified. Well, the response of the Trump team you know, the, 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 the gold medal top standard, the Olympic, uh, the Olympic uh, top end team here that has been assembled for this was that we don't want to discuss this. We, we don't want to reply. We don't want to say one way or the other whether anything was declassified or if nothing was declassified. In other words, we want to sidestep this entire damned issue. We, we, we devoted an inordinate part of our briefs to that thought, 
we wanted people to get the, we clearly wanted the court to get the notion that this was within the power and by implication, this is typical Trump thinking. It's a Trumpy thing to get it out there, to get it discussed. And then whether or not you do it, well, you always just, you just take your toes up to the line and then maybe you pull back before it gets too dangerous. Well, that's what this is all about. Clearly that's what this is about. Oh, oh, we, we, we know, we know we talked about, you know, all of this uh, declassification stuff. And it was amazing. We were trying to see if it would get some traction. And, of course, it's going to get traction among people who don't know any better or people who cannot figure out legal theory and reasoning and everything. And don't bother asking the next question. But you and I, you know, we, we kind of know that, well, we, we don't really want to be held responsible and we don't want our client to be held responsible for actually having done something with respect to something that we made a key point in our defense. In other words, our defense was nothing. It's smoke and mirrors. There ain't no declassification. Now, if you take away the declassification argument completely, and by the way, it was never there to begin with because it is completely superseded by the mere possession of these documents. No right to have them whatsoever. I don't want to get into a whole legal discussion about you know executive privilege. There is none in this situation. Attorney-client, there is none. This is a criminal matter. There can't be. The attorney-client privilege does not apply to criminal matters. I don't want to go any further than that. But it's, it's, it's the Trump group telling us that they have no defense except to bloviate and to, and to, and to pump and to just pound the table about things none of which actually apply to the case. It's, it's very akin to Rudy Giuliani this, this is what, you see, you have to understand where these things lead. What led to Giuliani's being, uh, having his license suspended and, will, and his ultimate disbarment, I, I believe he suspended in anticipation of, of disbarment in both New York, of course, and then in other jurisdictions. He can't practice law at one way or the other at this point. He will be ultimately disbarred once the hearings go through. But in anticipation, the rare step was taken to get this guy out of any kind of any courtroom situation or client representation because he does a lousy, very, very bad job of it in a way that is not befitting the actions of an attorney. And, and it's rare that a bar association would basically suspend a license in anticipation of all of the proceedings that have to be gone through to result in a disbarment. But in any event, that's what Trump's attorneys, they know. Why did this happen to Giuliani? Well, because he would, before any one of the 63 separate challenges that were made in court all over the country based on every conceivable theory about why the election was illegal, why in this state it was bad, why it was, why they didn't count correctly. Why they, and, and he'd come on and he'd lie and he'd say anything. Uh, remember his, his, his makeup dripping down the side of his face in front of a, a hardware store somewhere. And then, and then when he'd finally get into court, when, when, when it came down to the judge saying, well, look, you're looking, you're asking for a motion and usually these things began with a motion, the word something that has to be resolved before the actual trial. Well, you're, you're, you're asking for a motion, would say the judge, to basically set aside the results of the election as they pertain to wherever they were, in what's, whatever state, whatever situation. What is your actual proof that there was finagling, that there was something illicit done. Where is the substance of your complaint? What do you have? What can you show me other than you saying, it's bad, it's terrible, it's horrible, it's unfair, they're treating me unfairly, other than sounding like a Donald surrogate, which you are, and as an attorney, understandably, you would be as well, but other than just, just the promotional BS, where's the proof? Show me the documentation. And every single time, 
over 60 times of going through this process, Rudy and others didn't have a shred of information that would pass muster with a court. They would not, none of them, anyone who was interested in keeping their license, their law license, had nothing. They knew they had nothing, and they couldn't, otherwise they would have to make it up. That's how bad this, this is how badly this thing was, how it stunk to high heavens, how much of a lie it is, and basically, because Rudy kept saying the same lies over and over, even though he couldn't back them up in court, this is what ultimately got New York and the, district, uh, the D.C. bar, essentially, to suspend his license in anticipation of ultimately disbarring him completely. M MAGA is, is well, it's, it's, it's well stated, uh, you know, the, 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 the real meaning of it. M-A-G-A, make attorneys get attorneys. This is what Donald Trump does. Donald Trump always, 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 always tiptoes up to the line. Inference is there. Anger is there. People respond to all of his inferences, but he hides or attempts to hide behind that last little sh sliver of that last patch of ground before your toes go over the edge of the cliff. He, he's just, he's a millimeter behind that in what he believes or what his, he seems to have been able to get away with up to this point, uh, not, not actually breaking laws or pretending he doesn't really know he had no intention of doing anything. But you see, a course of action like his and a, a cumulative series of actions and, and reactions of people to him all of this under RICO laws is permissible in making a case. This is how they've made cases against Mafia Dons. You know, the, the ones who basically, I, I never said such thing there. Uh, no such thing was ever therefore said. And I am therefore not liable. I had no idea that my, that my, that my, that my, uh, my, 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 my soldiers were out there killing this one. I, I had no knowledge of this. Uh, the fact that I happened to say something, it, you know, no, 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 no. Donald will not be able to get away with that, certainly, uh, in a case involving January 6th. But here, here, with the documents situation, the mere possession of these documents is absolutely criminal. It, there, there is the, in, the, the, uh, the notion that the President of the United States could have accidentally taken these documents is a laughable. The inevitable thing that will be proven, and, and this is being shown again and again, is that he was told that you're not supposed to do it. And, and, and Meadows is, is, being, is being grilled on this right now. There are more and more people that will be pulled in. But the sheer removal of those documents is illegal. And for the former president of the United States to say, I had no idea about this is such a condemnation of what his presidency was and how it functioned in the first place. But you see, we wouldn't be here. We wouldn't be, we wouldn't be at the point of, of at, well, at some point, once we get past the special master crap, uh, we wouldn't be at the point of an indictment coming down, which it will, unless Merrick Garland and the people within the DOJ had, were absolutely certain that when, these, when that indictment comes down, it will be waterproof. It will be bulletproof. There will be no way. Once the information is presented to a judge and jury, here are the four squares. Here, here is the parameters of the law. Here is what a here is what a violation of that law looks like, consists of. Here is what you have to do. Here is what Donald did. Here are the elements. They match up 100% perfectly with what is required in order to convict. Therefore, Your Honor, therefore, ladies and gentlemen of the jury, we ask that you convict someone who has all, for all intents and purposes, convicted themselves, who was attempted to obfuscate about the nature of what they did or did not do, who has lied to us. There has been obstruction on and on and on and on. There will be an indictment, there will be a trial, there will be a conviction. But what we said here on these microphones before, and we have to come back to this again, the question will be, 
What do we do with this man once he is convicted? And I know that Donald is in his, you know, he, he had, a, he had a, a QAnon rally, of all things, the other night. Uh, well, I didn't really say QAnon. There was a song playing that's supposed to be, that was supposedly very close to what the, these QAnon assholes consider their anthem of some sort. Do, do you, they, I don't know if you've heard about, they, they can, Donald is the orange Jesus to these people who is supposed to basically uh, save the country by destroying all of the people in the dark, deep state, and there will be executions, public executions of the people who have—it's a nut job situation. And Trump is appealing to them, but, but again, not quite by name. Wearing a pin that looked like a suspiciously a QAnon pin on his lapel during a, during a, 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 a campaign stop in Ohio the other night. All this crap. On and on and on and on. Towing up to the line, up to the line, up to the line. He's already crossed it. As far as the three different Title 18 laws that were violated by his possession of the materials at Mar-a-Lago and the lies about those materials, he is in total violation of those criminal laws. And one of those laws, by the way, I believe it's the one, uh, the Espionage Act itself, the one that says you can't have this stuff outside of, of carefully controlled locations, says that you can't run for public office again. And you know that's going to come down. So I, 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 I ask, yes, Donald wants us to focus on whether or not, uh, you know, well, people are going to get crazy if they, you know, you can't, you can't, uh, you can't, he's threatened. The, the, the Mafia Don's implicit threats of violence if anyone tries to hurt me there. If you come after me, they're going to come after you. And it works for the Republicans, apparently. But it shouldn't work for rational people. He's at that stage because he knows he has nothing else to work with. He's appealing to QAnon people because he knows he has nothing else to work with. His attorneys are refusing to say what might have been or wasn't or was or absolutely never was uh, declassified by the president, even though he even though their briefs are, 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 are just slathered in language suggesting all that because they know it's, a, it's over. From a factual, legal perspective, there ain't no question that Donald will be indicted and convicted. The only question left is what we do with this SOB after he is. Once the man is convicted... What do you do with an ex-president? And by the time he's convicted, will his diminished stature, his inability to basically uh, command the respect of the presidency, allow for a, a, a sentence and for punishment that would be commensurate with that which would be given to anyone else? under analogous circumstances. I mean, the fact that the president of the United States took class, it, it's beyond belief. But if someone else in government had taken classified documentation, compartmentalized top secret classified information outside and left it around unprotected for months and months, they'd be, they'd be well into something like a 10-year or 15-year sentence by now. And remember, you're in violation of all three laws. There's three, three Title 18 laws that he's... Uh, and, 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 and the obstruction separate from the other two. So I, I would think that if a, a proper sentencing would basically not uh, have a concurrent running of the, construct, of, the, of, the, uh, uh, of the obstruction charge, the obstruction charge should be outside and should be se sequential with the others. Donald could potentially be facing anywhere from 8 to 15 years or more in prison. He, will he would probably die in prison, is the way this would be worked out. Will we go to that extreme? Extreme. It's not, will, will justice be done? I'm not worried about the, 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 the again, the indictment, the, the trial, or the, or the 
result of it. The question in my mind, and yes, all that has to happen. The, the, the DOJ will be uh, un, un, impeccable in its, in its presentation on this. I have no worry about that. What will we do with this man? What will our, so much of how we will see ourselves in the future will be tied up in how we deal with this guy after his conviction. This, this, will, be, this will be a real test of the system. Not whether or not you can convict a guy who is so blatantly guilty. I mean, you know, okay, they finally got Al Capone on tax charges. They didn't get him for killing a patillion people. And you could make, I, I, I imagine, here you could make a similar thing. Well, they're, they're not going to get him for attempting to destroy the government. They're going to get him on uh, possession of secret documents. But why didn't they bring a case against him for, uh, uh, maybe they will. Maybe, and they should, and they're bringing it against everybody else. The cases involving, um, everything involving January 6th, the insurrection, it will go right to the top, it will go to Mark Meadows. Everyone's going to pay a price for this, very much like Dick Nixon uh, ultimately uh, knew when to leave before his impeachment. Uh, he would have been impeached. Oh, he wasn't. He was on the verge of impeachment, and he would have lost the trial. He would have been kicked out one way or the other, only because Jerry Ford decided to pardon him, you know, uh, once Nixon had left. That's the only reason why he didn't go to jail. There's no one in that position, and there won't be anyone in that position at the point that Trump is convicted. It'll happen within the next two years. Now, that leaves open the issue. Would a future Republican president really want to get into the business of freeing up Donald Trump? And will that become a major issue for a non-Donald Trump candidate? Remember, Trump will most likely, most likely this, you know, you have DeSantis down there in Florida, this Looney Tune, the guy that tricks a bunch of, that, that, that the human traffics and sends a bunch of people to Martha's Vineyard. There's an investigation starting on this right now also. I mean, this is, this is about as low as you get, but he's trying to be as low, maybe he doesn't have to try very hard, he's trying to out-Trump Trump. So, so think about this. Let, let's say if it's, if it's I don't know how this happens, but if Donald actually is attempting to run in the primaries, if he's, if he's managed to stay out of jail and not be convicted at that point, the Republicans have to decide whether they want to run him. I think DeSantis has already figured out that that's not going to happen. And now DeSantis is going to have to run on what... DeSantis will be under pressure to decriminalize, to completely forgive, to pardon everything about Donald and everything about the January 6th people. He's going to have to run on that. He's going to have to start dancing around that. Suddenly, he's going to have to de-Trumpify himself. He's going to have to go from being Donald's greatest supporter to suddenly saying, well, he's a piece of shit, but basically I want to continue running the world the way Donald was thinking. So I want to appeal to all of you wonderful crazies out there, but I don't want to take him out of prison or I'll, I'll dance with it. I'll pretend I'm thinking of it. And he will basically then be saddled with that in a campaign. And the notion that he might even be playing with the idea of getting, of, of decriminalizing Donald and decriminalizing others involved in January 6th, that will make him lose that election at a level far worse than anyone has. A, than, it, it, it won't quite be a Ronald Reagan in 1980. You know, a, a, an 80s Ronald Reagan thing where he won, I think, 49 out of 50 states or something. We should be getting away from that system anyway. But it'll get close to that. If you basically are going to run on the notion that you're going to basically spring Donald and others out of jail for the crimes they've committed, you're gone. And there's no way that DeSantis can thread that line sufficiently to satisfy the loonies that are out there right now. Donald's making sure of it. 
So how do you solve a problem like Maria, as the song once said? How do you solve a problem like the Donald? How do we put him, uh, how does he become historicized? How, how does he become part of our history? How, how do we do a, a, a balderized version of what the British have just done with the Queen? How do we turn him into, put him out into the back roads of history and yet with a lesson for all of us? That's, that's the real question here. And of course I'm making the assumption that America will survive all this. And we will. I, I, I happen to feel more and more as though we will, but we still have some ugliness to go. Like everything that Donald says and does, it's more in the imagery, it's more in the BS than anything else. It's the fear of rather than the of that is the thing that we have to be afraid. We, we, have, we have nothing to fear. It really should be paraphrased. We have nothing to fear as much as fear itself. I think uh, Roosevelt went a little far, and, and, and fortunately, he <laughs> ultimately it played out, but he did have a Second World War to deal with. I don't think we're going to have a, a civil war. There's no, there's no way to have a, a civil war. You can have people being disobedient, but, but, uh, or, or, or not wanting to what? Follow laws? I mean, we're, we're, we, we love Donald. We're not going to stop for red lights. I, I, what, what do you do? How, how do you express your disdain for all law and authority if you're Donald? How far do you take it? Excuse me, are you, are you a liberal? Did you vote for anyone but Donald? May I shoot you? I, I, where does this go? How, how, I, 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 you have to start thinking on how human, how normal humans would react to this. There is a line, and, and again, like everything else in Donald's life, he keeps coming, his toes go up to it. And yes, we've, we have some, we, we, had, we had January 6th. People went over the line. Oh, but it wasn't a real insurrection. Oh, damn, it was a real insurrection. Real insurrections, whether they succeed in their goals or not, are insurrections. If it had succeeded in this goal, we would not be talking right now. This has to be, there is a point that this will ultimately, in, in just this need to step back from all of this, to let it finally go, to be sick and tired and done with the insanity of this era, it's either that or the country absolutely just crumbles away to nothing. And maybe the military take over. Maybe there's a junta. I happen to still believe, and I, and I, I know I may have sounded like I've gone in multiple directions over, over recent months and years even, but I believe that we are just going to be sick and tired of playing with Donald and watching him play with us. And the Republicans are sick and tired, and the people in power are sick and tired of it. And we're all going to have to find a way to get him behind us. And when the point of, when the point of a, a sentencing comes, I don't believe there's going to be anyone fighting the notion of Donald spending time in a jumpsuit that matches his hair. I, I know this sounds, geez, is that possible? Yes, it is. I think it's where we're going to go because we've, we've just played with our food here for a little bit too long. It's gotten a little bit, it's gotten old. And we'll see. We still have to, we have to get there. That, uh, as, we, as I've said, when we have David uh, on our show, uh, when it, whenever David Bach is here as my co-host, most Fridays. This Friday, he won't be. This Friday, we're going to have a Noble Hearts Forum on air. But uh, we always uh, trade the thought back and forth. That's why they play the games. And uh, in, with that in mind, uh, the, that's why we play, at the end of any center-left radio show, a little more jazz.
This is Richard Gazer. You know, it takes lots of time and effort and all kinds of resources to produce the kind of quality program we produce here at Center Left Radio. And it costs money to do it. Now, if we screamed a little louder or thought a little less about what we were saying, we could probably get a few advertisers to pay us to sell their products to a more tribally predictable audience. But that's not who we are or who you are. You come to center-left radio for non-commercial, thoughtful commentary. You're looking for an honest, progressive approach to solving America's problems, not exacerbating them. And we're committed to providing all of that. We're one of the few stations offering full-time, non-commercial, progressive programming. And we're the only station, the only one, doing it with a combination of hope, politics, and that most eloquent of all original American art forms, jazz. Think of it this way. We support your needs. Now we're asking you to support ours. Take a moment and go to our website, www.centerlefttalkradio, one word, centerlefttalkradio.com, and go to the donate page. And when you get there, give whatever you can on a one-time or maybe a recurring basis, $5, $10, $1,000, whatever you can contribute to make center-left radio's unique progressive voice stronger and even more significant as the full extent of the wrongdoing of Donald Trump and his associates becomes all the more evident. And as we seek to hold the House Democrats accountable for the promises they made to the American people during the last election. Yeah, you know what's at stake. And I know, we all know, we can count on you. On behalf of all of us at Central F Radio, thank you. You've been listening to Central Left Radio, the progressive voice of hope, politics, and jazz. My name is Richard Gazer, and thank you once again for being part of today's show. The time is coming when Donald will be indicted, tried, and convicted. The question then is, what do we do with this guy? And the reality is that Donald wants us to believe that just the very notion of indicting him is going to raise people to levels of fury and madness we've never seen before. No, it's going to raise all people in America to a need to get this guy behind us.